Hi friends, I just want to thank you for your support for this show. Your feedback has been such a great encouragement to us. The way these stories are impacting your lives, it's such a huge happiness and joy in our hearts. And I just want to give you a quick heads up. Adventist World Radio will be here at Village Center Adventist Church on the 23rd of November. And they will be sharing stories they have never shared before because of their sensitivity. If you're in and around Bering Springs, Michigan, or if you're close by, please pay us a visit. It's going to be a wonderful and a tremendous blessing. But if you cannot be here physically, please join us online on YouTube and on Facebook, Village Seventh-day Adventist Church. Our desire on this show is that the stories that we share will be a great blessing in your life and they'll help you to get closer and closer to God. And here is the show. I was just writhing in pain, and I called the nurse. I said, please, you've got to give me pain medication. I can't tolerate the pain anymore. And she said, I'm sorry, I can't. You're already maxed out. You've got to wait four more hours before I can give you pain medication. Wow. Then she left, and I lie there. I I just lay there and, and thought, this is it. This is, this is the end. This is so easy. All I need to do is close my eyes and just relax. And I know that I will pass right now. That's it. I am Michael Xarona, and you're listening to Why I Am Here, a show that shares the incredible stories of our guests and how they can inspire you to have a closer walk with God. On today's show, I sit down with Dr. Verlin Benson. Now, Dr. Benson has an incredible testimony. Dr. Benson was diagnosed with the deadliest liver cancer, of which he had 1% of survival. But God intervened in his life. God healed him completely. And he can do the same thing for you and give you the same hope. But today's show is part two of his story. If you haven't listened to part one, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to part one. Then you can listen to this show and enjoy it. And I believe that what God did in Dr. Branson's life, he can do it for you. Uh And that's what began my journey of hope. To realize that I need something more than just a doctor's diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And I told my wife, we're going home to wait these 10 days now. I want to take the time to go to the church and I want to be anointed. The Bible says when they're sick among you, let the elders anoint them for healing. So at this time, were you starting to accept it that you might um, you might die at any time? Or what was the reason you wanted the anointing? No, it wasn't because of whether I could die or live. Uh-huh. It's that if I am if I am facing death, uh-huh. I would like to renew my dedication to God. I would like to ask that God take my life and whatever days or months I have left, may my life be dedicated to your service. And I want to dedicate my wife because if this is truly the prognosis that I will be living less than a year, 
mm-hmm. possibly only two or three months more, then I would like to dedicate my wife and my children to God because I won't be there to take care of them. Mm. That was the motivation. And so we had an anointing service. Uh, the church, all empty pews, but we sat on the front row and the elders gathered around and we claimed the promises that truly God is a God of healing. He's the creator. Mm-hmm. But no matter what happens, we want to believe and dedicate our lives. Our, our son was on video conference call because he couldn't come all the way from Washington State. Right. But we had the anointing. We had prayer. And then I said, now, if I have before me the short path, then I accept that. And I want to die with a smile on my face. Amen. Now that that's said, I would like to say one other thing. Uh-huh. We learned at the Mayo Clinic that there is a direct correlation that they've just discovered. There's a direct correlation between the intake of refined sugar and the growth of cancer cells. Hmm. I'm going to choose, my wife and I have chosen that we're going to eliminate all sugar in my diet. I'm going to do everything in my power to follow the eight natural remedies because when I really look at them, I'm mm-hmm. not really putting my whole heart. I'm making a stab at it. Yeah, I, I kind of follow the eight natural remedies. What are these eight natural remedies? Just uh, uh, listing them. An acronym that helps you remember uh-huh. is New Start. A new start to your your health. Right. So, N, nutrition. Uh E, exercise. W, water. That's for new. Mm -hmm. Start. S, sunlight. T, temperance. A, air. R, rest. And T, trust in divine health. New start. Wow, it sounds like a well-rounded approach to health. It's free. It's free. There's a recipe for health that that is simple. You go on the, the internet mm-hmm. and ask for the eight natural remedies to health. They're there. If you don't remember them, go look them up. Uh, they're there, the eight natural remedies. For me, that's the easy way to remember them. So I said, I will do everything that I can. And of course... Nutrition, in my case, is a very, very big item because the, the, the chemo is killing all of the cancer cells. It's also killing good cells. So your body has to rebuild all the good cells so you can even continue living. And so, yeah, I said, I'm going to do everything I can to live. I'm going to claim the promises that if God wants to, to heal me, mm-hmm. he can. He's my creator, and and we will go from there. And so we, we had another prayer, and we began a very intense lifestyle. My wife began um, coming up with some juices mm-hmm. that said, I, I, I think you need to have these. And we did those about half hour, 45 minutes before my meals so that I could get the juice to process through, right. and my stomach would be empty so I could eat a meal. Mm-hmm. Because once you start chemo, you have a hard enough time eating anyway. You don't want to eat. You don't, you don't have appetite at all. You don't have appetite. I can remember sitting there 
many times at breakfast time for an hour and a half chewing, 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 and it won't go down. Hmm. So, so nutrition was a big part, but you can't have just a juicing diet only. You, you need, right. you, you need, need the regular body functions that to be moving. That strengthens your and, body as well. Yeah, sure. That gives you energy. So still continue three meals a day, but with the extra juicing. Uh-huh. One kind at breakfast, another kind at, at lunch, a kind of a smoothie with berries at, at night. Of course, um, when we went back to the Mayo Clinic, I wanted to talk with a nutritionist there. Oh, you have a vegetarian diet? No, I can't help you. So they basically had no suggestions. Of course, my oncologist, no, you don't have to worry about things. We do very extensive testing. Every time you come, there's blood draws. We do a full analysis. Mm -hmm. And if you're down in areas, we build you back up synthetically or with vitamins or whatever. So just have a normal eating lifestyle, whatever you want. If you lose weight, get some fats back in your diet. My wife said, "Mm, no, I don't think so. I think we need to do things very, very different. Right. And if you saw what we were doing before we made this change Uh to what we're doing now, there's a very, very big difference. And we can talk about that at a different time there mm-hmm. probably needs to be a whole talk about nutrition but yes yes i can see that but yeah. we went back now for the start of the clinical trials and before they even start doing the actual chemo they hospitalize you to see if your body can endure the rigorous testing of this clinical trial mm-hmm. and so um, i was hospitalized in a special room. We were curtained off from the rest of the hospital. Everyone had to wear um, special um, biohazard suits and and all the toxic chemicals that were handled. Mm -hmm. And uh, they brought in three cafeteria trays loaded with little test tube vials. Um, I'm not talking about the little ones at McDonald's or, or Taco Bell. I'm talking about the big large cafeteria trays there were three trays stacked full of these vials and they said as we begin giving you chemo Uh of different doses we will 30 minutes later take a result to see what that did in your blood so by the end of the next 24 hours every one of those vials will be filled with your blood I said Wow. I'm not even sure I have that much blood in me. (laughs) (laughs) This is like three trays full of them. Three trays full of those vials. And they're just stacked one right next to another. So that that was a rigorous 24 hours. Um, Every 30 minutes, they were coming in doing blood draws. I I know I slept through some of them Uh because they'd put a port in and they, they were able to do the blood draws some of the time without me knowing it. But they put what's called a port in my shoulder and they put it under the skin. Mm-hmm. And from that port, there's a tube that goes up into my neck and then down the vein or artery into my heart. And it, the tube stops just about half an inch from the valve. And those chemicals are immediately mixed with a vast amount of blood uh, because they're very toxic chemicals. If you've, if you've just injected them in the vein of your arm, uh-huh. they will eat your veins up. Hmm. Yes, I got through the, the testing, and then we started the actual um, chemo. The chemo 
is a six-hour ordeal. Um, they bring in an armload of eight bags. They begin infusing this as quickly as they can. The drips are just dropping as fast as possible. And eight large bags, I can assure you, you make frequent trips back and forth to the restroom That's because right. of all the fluids mm -hmm. that, are, that are going through. When one of the bags begins, my heart mus muscle seized each time it beat. Another one that goes for an hour, mm -hmm. and another bag, it went for an hour. It, uh, it made me dry cough. Nothing to cough up, I just, I just cough. And by the end of the six hours, most of the other patients vomited a lot. Um, God blessed, I did not. You didn't. I never did. Uh, that's that's one thing. I think I can count on my hands the number of, um, on one hand, the number of times I've vomited in my life. I have never, I've never vomited much. Um, I've been very, very sick mm -hmm. and passed out. Whereas if I could have vomited, it would have been better. <laughs> you, you could have brought out whatever. I could have brought out what was <laughs> ailing me. But so fortunately, I did not vomit. But by that, by the end of that six hours, I uh -huh. was so sick. There was no way I could eat. I finally learned to eat about halfway through the process. The process of the chemo. And I could get food down because I was needing to put on weight. I'd lost so much weight mm -hmm. that uh, I needed to gain weight. I couldn't afford to miss meals. So that became the pattern. Every two weeks, I had another ordeal. After, as I walked out, the doctor said, I'll be sure and stay out of the sunlight. You can't have sun. Um, this is going to be a long um, endurance, but the chemo affects your tissues. When you go out to the sun, you find that your skin is extremely sensitive to sunlight. Mm -hmm. And that's true. As I went outside, my eyes, it's like you had your eyes tested and, you, and the eyes were dilated. Right. Oh, the sun is too bright. It hurts my eyes. I, I need something darker. And then when the sun touched my hands, the backs of my hands and my, my forehead, oh, oh, that, that sun hurts. This hurts really bad. I need to get out of the sun. He's right. Wow. But then my wife later said, now, wait a minute. That's really only affecting you the first day or two. You need to get back out in the sunlight because sunlight is one of those eight natural remedies. Yeah, those eight natural remedies that help. They help. And uh -huh. how is your blood going to pick up the vitamin D? And I can remember in the wintertime having a little kind of a, a lawn chair that mm -hmm. I would put out in the snow. And I would go out in the snow for about 20 minutes and try to take off as much as I could to soak up those, those sun rays. Right. Anita bless her heart she was a jewel she began working to prepare this nutrition she said i want to eliminate all the starchy foods white potatoes pasta mm -hmm. it's gone because i need to give you only the things that will build back your blood cells right so she would analyze oh your blood is down in this area now now it's down here i need to give you something and find something to build you up so you know, she can talk about beans and lentils, uh, getting the protein and the green leafy vegetables, the the collards, the kale, mm -hmm. the Brussels sprouts, the broccoli, the spinach, lightly steamed. My diet became very, very carefully orchestrated to give healing. One day, my appointment with the doctor was the last appointment of the day. Right. And And he came in and he said, you know, 
He said, sometimes I wonder why I chose this profession. The work of an oncologist is sometimes very, very discouraging. Hmm. Today, I've had to give every single patient bad news. I'm sorry. Despite all the chemo, the cancer is still growing. I'm sorry. The side effects are getting so bad. Uh -huh. We're going to have to stop the chemo. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, in the best of cases, mm -hmm. cancers, uh, chemo is not always effective in all the different cancers. Right. In the best of cases, it's about 40% effective. Wow. So there's a lot of time I spend giving bad giving news. Giving people bad news. But you're the last patient, and you're a good patient to end on. I've got good news for you. Really? Your tumor has actually shrunk. Every time we do a CT scan, we uh -huh. have precise measurements, and the tumor is actually shrinking in size. Hmm. So he said, whatever you're doing, keep doing. How did you feel when you had Oh, this? I was so encouraged. And I said, all those juices, the original ones, the, the early ones did not taste good. <laughs> but bless her heart, my wife worked so hard to put together combinations that would still build the blood where I needed it, mm -hmm. but that would taste good. The one that became pretty much the standard that we used, the final um, endurance of my chemo journey, uh -huh. that is a juice that I, I gave it to you right now and said, you need to drink this. I'm going to blindfold you because you may not like drinking a green-colored juice, but you tell me what it tastes like, and I guarantee you'll say, well, that doesn't taste bad. I wouldn't complain about having this every morning, hmm. and no, it doesn't. She found combinations that were delicious. There was still one. That didn't taste good. Yeah, <laughs> four to five cloves of garlic, oh, the juice from one whole lemon, some other items in that but it's only eight ounces of liquid. But with such a heavy content of garlic in there, you go, wow, that's... <laughs> garlic that's... and lemon, what a combination. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was some <laughs> olive oil and there was um, some other things, but... Right. Yeah, yeah, so some of those don't always taste good, but the main juice was, was wonderful. So you got this news that it's actually shrinking. Yeah, so and... keep it up, keep it up. Mm -hmm. um, I can do this. It was not always a pleasant journey. We finally got into a routine. Anita always had to work early. And I needed rest. I was sleeping most of the time 10 hours at night. And I was not waking up in the night more than once or twice during the night. Mm -hmm. And and that was it. And I would take naps during the daytime, typically a nap mid-morning or late morning, and then another one mid-afternoon, and then sleeping 10 hours at night. I mean, truly, the, the chemo was having its devastating effect on my body, and, and I was really struggling. Then, the depression. You know, that's something nobody prepared me for. Nobody right. talked about depression. Mm -hmm. Never, ever. And I, I would get up. Anita had taught me how to do the juicing now. It's the good-tasting juice by now. Right. It takes a while by the time you wash all the vegetables, by the time you juice them, then you wash the container and all of its parts, then you cook breakfast, mm -hmm. you drink the juice as soon as you, you, you juice it, and then the, the clock starts 
clicking because you want a half hour to 45 minutes to go before you before start you breakfast. Uh -huh. By that time, I'm sitting down eating my breakfast and I finally finish the breakfast. It may take half an hour mm -hmm. to get it all down because the food doesn't go down very well. Right. It may take an hour and a half. It depends on the morning. The chemo just constantly messed you up. What tasted good for food one day was repulsive the next. And so food was always a challenge because I still had to eat the oatmeal or the cooked cereal, the very nutritious foods in the morning, whether I liked them or not. But by that time, everything is washed. I wash the dishes. Uh, there's only me, so I did it by hand. Hmm. But now I'm exhausted. I had gotten up early in the morning, took a hot and cold shower, and so that stimulates the blood, that right. contrast shower. Uh -huh. And uh, But now I've been up for an hour and a half, two hours, two and a half, depending on how long my breakfast took. I'm not feeling good. And so I go and I sit in the easy chair. I put my, my feet up. Oh, that's so much better. Hmm. And now I don't want any noise. I don't want to, to, to hear anything. No radio, no television, no dog barking. I don't want a sound. But as the minutes go by, minute by minute, mm -hmm. I drop down lower and lower. And after another hour and a half, I don't feel good. I need to go lay down. And I go into the bedroom and I lie down. And, and then after and another... And you'd feel better when you, you lie down? Oh, yes, sure but only for the first few minutes. And then I began not feeling good. Hmm. But now where do you go? Now I don't feel good, and I really don't feel good. Now where do you go? There is no other place to go. And then it's like a fog that just comes into that room. You cannot penetrate, and you can't push it away. Mm -hmm. But this depression about it's not worth it. This is just too much to bear. This depression that just suddenly changes your values and it just, ah, uh, this is terrible. Right. One day my wife came home. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, I admire my wife so much. Praise the Lord. This experience she struggled with, mm -hmm. I did. And we kept saying, why, why? Not understanding, except then the, the tables began to turn a little bit. Mm -hmm. When we saw that the healthy message of those eight natural remedies, that courageous trying to say, you know what, there is hope, it made a difference. That makes a huge difference. And we both said one day, you know, if one person uh -huh. came to know Jesus because of this, this battle, be worth the struggle we're going through. Amen. That was another point that picked us up. Yeah, that brings a lot of hope. But if we're not focusing on that, uh -huh. let me tell you, this depression gets to you. And I don't understand why Anita never communicated that to me. But I want you to know that the struggle she was going, I, I am only now really fully comprehending after I went through it. Mm -hmm. Because she would go to work, and the doctors that she worked with, surgeons, said, 
How's your husband doing? I need it. You know he's not going to make it. You know we've worked on those surgeries here. They'll never make it. Hmm. And that cancer has the worst comeback of all cancers. If it gets to surgery and it's removed, it'll come back within two or three months. And when it comes back, there is no one that will ever stop it. Wow. Can you imagine her going to work and hearing that? Facing discouragement. Facing that. From from professionals. From professionals. People who you think they're going to encourage you in this situation. Yeah. Yeah, that must have been tough. So now she's got to stop at the store. She's got to buy all these fruits and vegetables. Things that she's studied. Mm -hmm. And then she comes home and she comes to the room. How you doing, honey? You're looking good. You can do this. Wow. You're doing great. No, I looked worse. I looked worse. Hmm. But not as bad as some of the patients she's working with. You know, there are comparatives. And she kept trying to say, I've seen worse than this. Mm -hmm. You're looking good. You're looking better. But comparing with other patients that are dying. And one by one, those in my clinical trial began dying. And here she's faced with, I don't want my husband to be one of them. Mm -hmm. And so the months went by. And one day, Anita couldn't always go. She went with me as much as possible. But I always had to take somebody to go with me because after the chemo, we had to stay one more night to make sure that there was no uh, severe reaction. And then the next day, we could travel home. Uh, depending on the weather, it was a typically an eight-hour trip, but it could be longer if the, the weather's bad. Uh -huh. And so this particular time, I had another friend with me. We got to the hotel. We checked in, did the blood test, did the CT scan, met with a doctor, and the doctor said, I'm sorry, your blood count is way too low. We cannot administer any chemo to you at this time. You're going to have to go back home, and you're going to have to wait. Wait for two weeks and then come. That happened, and we made a plan that from that point on, we will do a local blood test so uh -huh. the doctor would know whether or not I should make the long trip to come to the Mayo Clinic. And so the blood test was issued four days early. Months went by, and then I got a a second phone call. The doctor said, I'm sorry, your blood count is too low. Don't even make the trip. You can't come. He said, I have some more bad news. The, the blood count is low, but this is the second time. So because it's the second time, you have been kicked out of the clinical trial. Wow. This means that there's no hope yeah. medically. Yeah. Because this is where you've been getting treatment and help all this time. And it was giving you that sense that I'm getting help and the chances of making it. So if, if they eliminate, eliminate the clinical trial drug, uh -huh. the Bay drug, they called it, if they eliminate that, then we already have evidence that the other is not going to help. It has never helped in any of the cases they've tried it. So, well, you'll just have to go back to your local hospital and continue with just the standard chemo drugs. 
I said, well, that doesn't leave me much hope. Mm -hmm. And I want hope. I, I want to have hope that there is a chance of survival. Right. I have another idea. Why don't we go ahead and take the blood test at the prescribed time? Oh, because this was earlier. Yes, it was four days earlier. Okay. And he said, well, he said, that's a, that's a nice thought, but it's not going to happen because this is, this is the reality. Your blood count is at 49,000 white blood cell count. Mm -hmm. It's at 49,000. It's got to be over 100,000. Sure. That means that the white blood cell count in your body would have to double in four in days. four days. It's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Now remember, this is the expert. This is the expert that understands blood that like I have never seen anyone understand before. This oncologist is brilliant. Mm -hmm. And he's saying, no, that's not going to happen. And I said, you know that I'm a praying man. And I'm going to pray that God will create a miracle. Well, it'd have to be a miracle because it's not going to, it's, gonna, it's, it's not just gonna not going to happen. Right. Don't get your hopes up. If you want to do another blood test, I'll authorize mm -hmm. it, but it's not going to happen. Not many physicians believe in miracles, but we know that we worship an all-powerful God who is able to do what men cannot do or even expect. When we come back, let's find out more on how Dr. Benson's blood count not only doubled, but tripled. This program is sponsored by Village Seventh-day Adventist Church. If you would like to learn more about Village Church, please visit villagesda.org. Are you wondering how you can spend the financial blessings God has given you? Join Village Church as we partner with the El Salvadorian Union to build the first Adventist college in El Salvador. If you would like to learn more about this opportunity, please visit villagesda.org. So I did the blood test four days later, and the next day I got a phone call. How, him. how soon can you get to the Mayo Clinic? Really? What had happened? I asked him the same thing. I said, tell me what, what changed? <laughs> you know, I think God is such a marvelous God that he looks down sometimes and laughs at our human thoughts uh -huh. and says, ah, you think that's a miracle? Let me truly show you a miracle because you not, but you may not believe it. Right. He said, I don't understand what's happened, but your blood count has jumped from 49,000 to 204,000. Oh, it has quadrupled. Wow. wow. I do not understand. Get here as quick as you can. Just in four days. And so I was that reinstated. Wow. That is amazing. The, the Mayo Clinic is a very interesting place. By Thanksgiving of that year, I was wanting to have a very grateful Thanksgiving time because they had now told me for the third time, we have actual measured test results that show your tumor for the third time in a row is shrinking. So the one thing I was hoping to have for that Thanksgiving was the good news that I could end chemo. Since the tumor was sh shrinking, maybe I could go to surgery um, right after Thanksgiving. Wouldn't it be nice to have the surgery over by Christmas time mm -hmm. and have that tumor out? Unfortunately, that was not to be. The doctors at the Mayo Clinic 
came together at a lunchtime just to discuss my case. And they come together as a large group and they look at all the evidence, they look at all the factors, doctors from various perspectives, and they discuss my case mm-hmm. and make a decision. And they decided that no, I needed to continue with the chemo and go through January before I could, uh, or at least mid-January, before I could end the chemo. So that was a little disappointment. By then, I was at least grateful to end the year knowing that I was still alive. Amen. And many of the others in the study were no longer living. Hmm. When we returned in January, my wife was with me on that trip. And as we went in for the appointment, the doctor looked and said, you really are here. You're still alive. I did not expect you to be here. Wow. So even the doctors at the Mayo Clinic did not expect that, did not expect me to survive the Christmas season. The Uh Christmas season, there is so much fats, so much um, sweets, so many, so many things that are tempting. A lot of patients don't return after the holidays. Mm -hmm. That's just a known fact. February 7 became the surgery date. And uh, that surgery date was a very special date to plan for. We needed to arrange for a house to live in or a hotel to be at. Uh And I wanted to, uh, wanted to have a place that we could stay after surgery. Mm-hmm. Three days after surgery, the hospital releases you. Well, where do you go? We can't go all the way back to Michigan. It's too far in case there's more complications, right. uh, at least for a while. So we looked around for a house. And I can remember in the, the very, very first stages when we were there for the laparoscopic surgery, when we were first there at the Mayo Clinic, we had to spend the weekend there. And I know my wife had come down with a, with a pretty bad head cold. And so she stayed at the hotel, but I chose to go to church. You know, the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourself together. Yes. yes. And I said, you know, I, I just want to be in church. Mm-hmm. I just want to go there. She said, you, you go ahead and go. And I did. And in the Sabbath school program, you know, well, who are you? You're a visitor. Yeah, no one knows you. No one knows me. I said, well, I'm here to begin a series of treatments at the Mayo Clinic. I have a grim prognosis. I probably won't live more than a year. That's the prognosis, less than a 1% chance of survival. Hmm. So, you know, it's a sad time, but I wanted to be here in church. And, and one of the ladies said, here, here move forward into our, our row. We've got a little circle here. Come and join us. Well, months went by, and now it's time for surgery, and we're looking for a house. Mm -hmm. We have hunted and hunted and hunted, and we were getting ready to go home and tank up with as much energy and health as we can because that surgery is going to take everything out of me, Yes, and I'm going to need all the strength to endure that surgery. The last day, looking and looking, we'd been looking for quite a while, and we we were looking for a for some of the snowbirds that leave their their homes. <laughs> yeah. You know, is there anyone that wants us to house sit um, for a price? I mean, we're willing to pay. We found one little house that was available for only three weeks, no more than three weeks. It was a dingy house. It was in a dim it area. It was not a good house. Mm-hmm. It was actually kind of dirty inside. 
Anita said, you know, I think we better get it. I mean, we're, we're going to head home tonight. I, I, we've got to have something. And I said, well, I told the lady that I wouldn't let her know until tomorrow morning. Let's pray that God will somehow open the way for something we haven't seen yet. Mm -hmm. And you know, it was only a few minutes later as we were driving back to Michigan, the phone rang. And a lady said, my name is Londi. You probably don't remember who I am. But I'm the one that asked you to move forward into our row. At that church that you attended. At that church you attended. Wow. And I said, Londi, I remember your name. I do know who you are. I remembered you because of your kindness. Amen. She said, well, I, I understand you need a house to stay. And my boyfriend is a doctor at the Mayo Clinic. And he and his wife had always determined that they would help those in medical need. His wife passed away of cancer three years ago. He learned that you have cancer, and he is going to move out of his house, and you and your family can occupy his house wow. for as long as you need. That is amazing. You know, had I not ever attended that church, mm -hmm. we would not have had this beautiful home with a sunroom that was ideal for my healing, for us to stay in. And we were there a full month. I was in and out of the hospital numerous times after surgery mm -hmm. because of severe complications. Right. And had I gone home after three weeks, it would have been a disaster. The Lord is so good. Amen. If we put him first, right. it's not us that ought to be, it's your story. No, this is the story of God and how he, he is preparing things that we don't even know about mm -hmm. for our good. So the surgery was scheduled on February 7th. 2014. And I was excited when I learned of the date. I'd never thought of a surgery date, but this was going to be Friday morning. Friday morning. I don't know. Is that a good... And then it hit me. It's the perfect day. Well, who knows when surgery is going to be over, but it'll be over sometime by Friday afternoon. Uh -huh. I'll get to say hi to the family. And then it's sunset, and it's time for the rest of the Sabbath. How much better healing could there be than resting on the Sabbath and having the true healing? I was so excited. People say, were you nervous to go to surgery? Were you scared? Not a bit. I was thrilled to be going to surgery because I knew that was the hope of the future. Mm -hmm. I knew that, that I would die if that cancer wasn't ultimately removed. And now that it's shrunk to only be 50% viable, there truly was hope. Wow. When they finally decided to operate, it was only 50% viable by that time. Hmm. And so, you know, people say, well, maybe you shouldn't have even done the chemo. I say, maybe the Lord put us in touch with that oncologist to be a witness to him. Yes. Because in the end, the last time we visited with him, uh -huh. we gave him a present. And he, he laughed and he said, so I can tell it's a book. What do you do? You give books to all your doctors that have treated you? <laughs> and I said, no, no, no. Uh, this is a book especially for you. Praise the Lord. It was the book Ministry of Healing. Wow, my favorite book. 
And I pray that he, as a physician, a very mm -hmm. sincere physician, will find the true master healer. Amen. Amen. Well, anyway, so I was excited about the Sabbath rest. And um, they said the surgery would be about um, two, maybe a little less than two, a little bit more than two. But they expected around two hours. Mm -hmm. And so our family was up. Everyone was ready to go at 4 a.m. And I was checked in by 5.30. And I went into this room. There was over 50 people all being prepared for different kinds of surgeries. I was so impressed with the, the high technology they have. And uh, after they inserted the spinal, asking me to count, I don't remember anything. But my, my family then began their vigil. And as the hours clicked by, the, the surgeon was very good to keep communicating. Send a, send a message out to Anita. She's a surgical nurse. Mm -hmm. She knows what it's like in here. Keep her informed. But the hours began ticking by. Two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven hours. How long seven, was it supposed to be at first? Two. Two hours. Around two hours. It took seven and a half hours. When they got in there, they found that all of the ducts from the liver that goes down through the digestive system, they're gone. They're destroyed by the cancer. And so they had to do some additional, very careful microsurgery to create new ducts and to, and to connect everything. They removed two thirds of my liver. They removed 14 lymph nodes, the cotate lobe, the gallbladder, a massive surgery. That is a massive surgery. But I have on my abdomen, when I look in the mirror, mm -hmm. I have a great big capital L that every time I look at it, I think the Lord loves you. Amen. From that scar. From that scar. A great big. It's about between nine and ten inches in total. And I just remember, who am I that the God of the universe? would care about me and all of these little tiny things that added up mm -hmm. to that time that would care about me uh, who am I so it's not poor me why this happened to me mm -hmm. how privileged I am that God cares about me to that extent right so was the surgery successful after seven hours well being a surgical nurse my wife was worried about the next part uh-huh because typically a person comes out of surgery and they give some reversal drugs that bring you awake immediately. Right. So within half an hour, certainly by an hour, you're awake and you can talk to your family and then everyone can go home and rest because I'm going to be awake a little bit, but I'm going to be sleepy and sleep some more too. But the hours once again begin ticking by. Two, three, four. Five, finally, my, my wife, because we, they were not getting any communication, finally she said, all right, I've had it. I need to know. I need someone inside of that recovery room mm -hmm. to communicate with me. Now, if he's been snowed by the anesthesia, that's one thing. And I understand that as a surgery nurse. But if there's something that you're not telling me, woe unto you, you better tell me the truth. That's right. No, 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 no. It's okay. 
there's nothing wrong. He's fine. But we've, we've just snowed him with the anesthesia. It was over six hours. Now, I'm totally oblivious to everything. Yeah, you don't know what's happening. And suddenly, my eyes open up, and I am absolutely wide awake, clear mind. It's as if I hadn't been asleep at all. It's just instantly, I'm awake. Mm -hmm. And I instinctively looked out the window, expecting there to be dark, night. I mean, excuse me, daytime. Daytime, yeah. Because I expected it to be Friday afternoon, and it is pitch dark. And I thought, how can that be? It's supposed to be daytime. And I look at the clock. I found a clock, and it looked, it's 10.30 at night. 10.30 at night. When I woke up. So all day I'd been totally gone from this. <laughs> and I heard, then my ears picked up, and I hear, heard a commotion. And the nurses were saying, hey, sorry to call in an extra shift, but we got to go home. We were ready to go home hours ago, but this guy won't wake up. So we had to call in an extra shift. And so the nurses, um, of course, suddenly saw that I was awake. Then as soon as they were assured that I'm fine, uh -huh. then they could move me out of the recovery room onto another bed uh -huh. in the hospital. After that, finally, Anita could um, say goodnight and, and go home. And go home. So it was a very long day for the family. Mm -hmm. They suffered a lot more than I did because I right. didn't know you anything. You didn't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and Anita, when I woke up, I mean, she was by my side within seconds because as soon as I was awake, they let her come in. And she said, how are you feeling? I said, I feel great. I am absolutely fine. Wow. Do you have any pain? None. No, absolutely not. That is amazing. I feel just absolutely great. And, well, of course, I'm still... Uh -huh. being medicated. I have a spinal that they haven't removed. They're still giving medication through that, so uh -huh. I don't feel anything. But my my spirits were great. I felt great, and um, I could move. She was with me when they wheeled me down to the other room. The next day, I was up, and I was able to walk down the hall a little bit. They said, no, 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 don't, don't walk too far. Um, Sunday, I was walking quite a ways. Monday, I was walking to the end of the hall, they had that was a fast recovery absolutely it was it was very good but sunday i have to admit when they took the spinal out uh -huh. i began walking more but i began going downhill hmm. the pain began to start coming because now the effects of surgery began to tell and i didn't have that boost of pain medication hmm. and so the days that went by started getting worse and worse. By Tuesday, they released me, went over to the house where to the family house. had already been living uh -huh. for the last few days. They had a bed in the sunroom. They had a pr private church service on Sabbath. The family played music. Uh, Sunday morning, I went out and uh, did a walk in the snow. Looks like things should be getting better, mm -hmm. but I was hurting inside. And by Sunday night, I was in agonizing, excruciating pain, and I was admitted to the emergency room and um, was in the hospital. And that began the story back and forth, back and forth. The pain after surgery became so excruciating. Hmm. I mean, you can't cry tears anymore. I mean, the pain is so intense. 
I, I don't know how to describe it. And I can remember um, one night, I was in so much pain. I lay there about two o'clock in the morning. Anita had gone home. I was just writhing in pain. And I called the nurse. I said, please, you've got to give me pain medication. I can't tolerate the pain anymore. And she said, I'm sorry, I can't. You're already maxed out. You've got to wait four more hours before I can give you pain medication. Wow. And she left. And I lie there. I, I just lay there and, and thought, this is it. This is, this is the end. This is so easy. All I need to do is close my eyes and just relax. And I know that I will pass right now. That's it. I was so assured that I would just that pass. This was, the, this was the end. This is the end. This is the end. You don't know how tempting that was. Mm -hmm. And I can understand, and I will never judge someone that says, I've had enough. I've had enough. By now, none of the other patients in the clinical trial were alive. From the uh, 13 that were in the program with you. Correct. The clinical trial is declared a failure and the Bay drug was discontinued immediately. Hmm. And so now I'm going through the suffering of but, you know, when you have a need, God can also bring to remembrance something else. Mm -hmm. Remember, there are people all over the world praying for you. Amen. There was a group in India that knew me. They were praying for you. They were praying for me. Praise the Lord. They were non-believers, but they were praying in their own way. Wow. When I went back a year later and met with them, they were astounded. And they said, um, you know, the contract had to be renewed while you were sick in your long illness. And there was a delegation that came and brought the contract. We shredded the contract. How do we know what they put in there? We don't know them, but we know you. Did you happen to bring the contract with you? I said, as a matter of fact, I did. I made some modification. You might want to read through it. No, 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 no. Where is it? We're going to sign it right now. We don't wow. even need. You know, when they see miracles mm -hmm. and they see healing, which they didn't expect, and their own prayers answered, it was another memory of God's power. They develop faith. They develop faith. Uh -huh. Yeah. So that night, um, I just, in my heart, I just said, no. I am not going to give in. I'm not going to throw in the towel and say, I quit. I will persevere on. You know, it's amazing how your body works. That determined spirit was all it took. About 20 minutes later, I fell into the most peaceful sleep, and I slept for six hours straight. When the nurse saw I was awake, she came in and said, why didn't you alert me? I, I, I could have given you a pain medication a couple of hours ago. I said, I don't need it. I don't have any pain right now. Hmm. There was another time I was at the house. Mm -hmm. By now, I was running a fever. 
there was so much ice and snow. This is the worst winter in 50 years. There's four inches of ice mm -hmm. on the roads mm -hmm. of downtown Rochester. When there's that much ice, there becomes potholes, deep potholes. And so as you drive the vehicle, it drops down in these potholes. And every time I was taken back and forth, even though we were only four miles from the hospital, my pain just intensified. And I just, that night said, Anita, I said, I can't go to the hospital. The pain is already so intense. If I get sh shaken right. by the road anymore, you feel every, I, I, every I can't endure it. I, I, mm -hmm. No. You know, I'd rather die tonight than to go through that. It, it's, it's just too intense. And the doctor said, if you don't bring him in tonight, I don't think he's going to make, make it through the night. In the middle of the night, Anita was woken up and, said, and just had this strong impression, give him more hot and cold foot baths. And she gave two hot and cold foot baths. And that breaks the fever. It makes the blood rush through, through the body. It stimulates the body. And I was able to sleep. So that very next morning, the doctor called and he asked, did he make it through the night? The doctor wasn't sure I was even going to survive the night. And my wife said, yeah, he's, he's doing well. He's not in any pain this morning. He's feeling quite good, in fact. The wow. doctor said, what did you do? She said, I gave him a hot and cold foot bath. I guess he was shocked. He was shocked. He expected you to pass, pass away the previous night. I need to see him, uh -huh. bring him into the office. And he didn't even have a actual uh, room to see me at. We, we had to improvise and use a patient room to quick check me out because he just could not believe and he wanted to take me as quickly as possible in to see me. He marveled. That was just another example of God's marvelous intervention with simple means. Mm -hmm and such good memories. God is good. Amen. A lot of healing doesn't take expensive things. They're the simple things, caring. Mm -hmm. My wife was such a wonderful person to care for me with such diligence. Praise the Lord. My secretary, my executive assistant, uh -huh. after I had recovered, one day came to me and said, I, I have a joke I want to tell you, and I think you'll understand what I have to say. I'd like to tell the story she told, but it's not as a joke, because mm -hmm. I've seen it real. Mm -hmm. I've seen it in reality. She said a man went to the doctor, and this doctor had diagnosed him with a terminal illness. Mm -hmm. And the doctor noted this at this particular visit, oh, I see you brought your wife with you. So I'd like you to um, just go back out in the waiting room. I'd just like to talk with your wife privately about your health. Sure, sure. I There's not much I need to hear about that. Right. So he went out, and the doctor began saying to his wife, you know, his illness wouldn't have to be quite so bad. You know, he actually could survive from this. It wouldn't necessarily have to be terminal. Mm -hmm. But there would have to be some dramatic changes made. Oh, what's that, she said. Well, take, for example, breakfast. If you had some really good, wholesome, cooked grains to feed him for breakfast and mm -hmm. some 
whole wheat toast and some fruit and maybe some orange juice, some nuts, some things that were very healthful and nourishing. Right. What are you talking about, she said. Isn't coffee and donuts enough? Well, no, um, we're, we're talking about some serious nutrition, some things that would really help him recover, that could help him live to an old age. Maybe he would pass away of old age and this illness wouldn't really even affect him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for lunch, you know, some lightly steamed leafy vegetables, some right. greens. Right. You know, you need those vitamins and minerals. Don't tell me you're going to tell me I have to do a big lunch for him. I mean, what about a, a, a hamburger and a milkshake? I mean, that's all he gets. That should be enough. Well, you can see how the conversation continued. Yes. And she finally joined her husband. My, he said, you were in there a very long time. What did the doctor say? He really didn't say much. He said, you're not going to live very long. Oh, no. You see, I've noticed that a lot of times we think of someone of getting well and we think, well, it's their problem. Mm -hmm. But in reality, think about the caregiver. Yes, the support. My wife was the jewel of caregivers. Praise the Lord. She put that time and energy. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening thus far. And I hope and trust that the things that Dr. Benson have been sharing in this story have made you to have more faith in God. And because of the depth and the more detail that are in his story, we have decided to give you part three and not miss anything. So look out next week. We'll feature part three of his story. And that will be the final episode. And you get to see and know and hear how God completely healed him from this deadly liver cancer. This is Michael Xarona, and you have been listening to Why I Am Here. For more episodes, please visit villagesda.org. We would like to thank Pastor Ron Kelly and his pastoral staff for making this show a reality. We would also like to thank Village Seventh-day Adventist Church in Bering Springs, Michigan for their support and sponsoring this show. If you would like your story to be featured on this show, please visit villagesda.org. If you have enjoyed this show, please remember to subscribe, review, and share with your friends. You can also listen to this show on your favorite podcast platform. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 